Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Caught up earlier today with Peter Doyle, CEO and MD of Montan Resources and ASX listed Met Coal developer and soon to be producer. We talk about the environment, a 1976 uh, coal policy reinstatement and a $5 million private placement. If you want our thoughts and opinions on those conversations, Peter and the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time. There are training courses on there to help you with your own diligence process, plus commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. Uh, you might enjoy that. Plus, there's a big thriving community of investors sharing their ideas in each, with each other in a nice, friendly uh, and benign environment, free from trolling and abuse. Sounds nice, right? So go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Peter, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. Good to see you. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. It's getting a bit late for that, but we'll go with it anyway. Um, have you been well? I have. I have. I mean, COVID's not so great for any of us, but yeah, we're well. Okay, good. Well, look, um, I've got very interested in Met Coal. You're one of the companies I spoke to last year. In fact, we spoke in the middle of November, actually. Uh, you kind of helped us with our voyage of discovery, how the coal market works. Uh, so thank you for that. But I want to come and pick your brains today. I want to help the people uh, that, that watch these uh, shows uh, sort of understand what's going on. And obviously, we will talk about your company too, I promise. Um, so before we do any of that, give people a one-minute overview of your business, and then I'll, we'll pick it up from there. Sure. Um, so my name is Peter Doyle. I'm the CEO of Montem Resources. We're a coal mine development company in uh, Canada, in Alberta, Canada. It's Metcoal. 100% uh, export, and we're reinvigorating two old mines. So we're restarting the Tent Mountain mine. Uh, we expect production early 2023. Uh, and then we've just recently delineated a large uh, project at Chinook, and that'll, that's about five years away. Brilliant. Okay, thanks for that. And I better explain for people who aren't members of the Crux Investor Private Members Club, you've also been helping us understand the macro environment for coal, which is it's fairly interesting dynamics at the moment. So I think the club members have really enjoyed that. Um, and, you know, for people who aren't in there, obviously, I think people don't really understand. Well, there's a lot of misunderstanding around met coal, coking coal, steel making coal versus thermal coal. And I think you explained in the last interview some of those differences. So I'm going to put the link to that conversation below. Go watch that because you're really good understanding or certainly enough of understanding to get interested. So I saw something uh, last week, which intrigued me because I didn't know quite what it meant. So um, the Albertan province has reinstated a 1976 coal policy. Is that good or bad for you? Oh, look, Matt, it's, um, it's an interesting time for the coal industry in Alberta. So uh, the 1976 coal policy um, is is a, a, an overarching um, document that was put in in 1976 that categorised different areas of land and what could be done on those bits of land with respect to coal mining. Um, modern resources, assets predominantly sit in what's known as Category 4. So there's four categories. Category 1, no mining. Category 2, predominantly uh, designed for only underground mining. Category three and four, it's okay for open cut mining. 
Category 3 is on the prairies. Category 4 is in what's known as the eastern slopes of the Rockies. As I said, our assets are in Category 4. When the 1976 policy was put in place, these mines were open. They were working. Um, and therefore, they've got a, an area around them, a sort of halo of, <coughs> of where open-cut mining um, was in 1976 um, allocated to be able to be done and, and continues to be that way. So for Montem, um, you know, we're, we're, of course, interested in how a new policy may come about because the government said it's going to go out and, and uh, consult widely uh, on this topic. Uh, to understand that. I think that'll take some time. Um, of course, we're interested in being engaged in that consultation. But for us right now, Category 4, our assets are largely immune from any change. Okay. So what's happened between 76 and now? Why reinstate it? I mean, what's been going on? Yeah. So, well, the, the, the current government uh, rescinded the policy in June last year. Um, and they rescinded it on the basis, I, I believe, anyway, uh, I wasn't involved in it at all, but um, I, I believe they rescinded the policy on the basis that it was superseded by much more modern um, legislation and regulation that goes with that legislation around land use. So Alberta's divided into areas <clears throat> and they had have regional land use plans within those areas and, and that describes what um, can and should be done in various areas, as well as that, there's a very detailed and rigorous um, regulatory, both federal and provincial regulatory system that um, that controls and regulates all mining, coal mining, diamond mining, copper mining, doesn't matter what mining it is, but um, for coal mining, any new coal mine in, in Canada needs both federal and provincial approval. Um, so... You know, these various layers of, of regulation about land use had superseded the policy. You know, EIAs back in the 1970s were fairly, um, well, they existed, but the, the new science, of course, uh, is, is, is uh, just more modern and, and rigorous regulatory uh, systems align with that science. So, so we studied the land, we studied the effects of what we believe is going to occur with the mining and, and then we put forward an environmental impact assessment based on those studies and then the re various regulatory bodies, as I said, federally and provincially, assess that. So 1976 through to 2020, everyone knew what was going on. Then last year, for some reason, they decided to look at it again. And then 12 months later, decided to look at it again. Is, is there what, what, What's going on on, on the ground that we need well, to be aware of? Yeah, yeah. So what's going on is that in June last year, they rescinded the policy without consulting and, and it became a flashpoint issue. Um, and now the government has rolled back that decision. They've reinstated the 76 policy and, and said, you know, their intention now, I believe, is to go and consult on the issues of coal developments and, and other mining developments, all mining developments, really, in, in Alberta. But is this is this politics? What's it being driven by? I'm intrigued by this because you, well, no, we talk about Canada as a you know a great jurisdiction for mining. We, that's as we talk about. I, you know, people say, "Well, don't go and look at Africa. Don't go and look at South America. You got to look at Australia, Canada, and the U.S. Those are the jurisdictions to be in." But what, what's happening in Alberta? 
You know, it's a it's a very good question, Matt. Um, I think that that the what you said is true. You know, those Western domains are great jurisdictions to own and operate assets in, and one of the reasons they're great is because they're democracies. And I think this is political. Um, you know, I, I talked before about the regulations and the and the and the the rules that we have to abide by as a modern mining company. And and I would stand by and say that that. We, uh, as a company, have a very strong record environmentally and, uh, and will continue to do so. And part of it's because of who we are and part of it's because of where we operate. Um, the, the current uh, situation is definitely political. It's an, it's a, an emotional um, topic. Uh, there is a very valuable uh, resource of metallurgical coal, steelmaking coal, particularly where our assets are in the Crow's Nest Pass. Um, there is one large project there called the Grassy Mountain Project that's owned by Hancock Prospecting. Uh, that's gone through seven, uh, maybe even longer now, years of work to get it through to where it is now. They had a very detailed three-year process of a public hearing. Oh, well, the public hearing was the final part of the three-year process. That completed uh, earlier this year. It's finished. And now they're going into six months of deliberation. So in a way, the completion of that public hearing brought the, brought the topic up into the public domain really, really quite brightly. And uh, it's, it's now the, the, the stage is set, but there's no one up at the lectern with the microphone. And so the public's, you know, it's become a very public debate. Um, and... Yeah, I believe that that uh, that the Grassy Mountain project will get approved uh, later this year, and uh, it'll be approved with um, you know stringent conditions on on what is able to be done. Okay, yeah. I was about to say. So we'll we'll shine a torch on that in a bit because they'll have had to pass various yeah. re regulatory, environmental controls, and and measurements, and they're going to have to. Put the paperwork on the table, um, which says that they are doing things the right way, legally, right? Mm -hmm. I want to come back to the contentious issue. Is the contentious issue, you? we just don't want miners in here because of what they represent in terms of you know, removing you know, minerals from our environment? Or is it because, and I've had a lot of contact from, from people going, these guys, these coal miners, they pollute our rivers. They're damaging our ecosystems. What, what do you think the problem is? Well, I think it's a combination of both those things. So, so firstly, uh, you know, it's a, it's a hot topic on the basis of people are believing that, that it's open slather and that, that we're going to build coal mines that are, you know, destroy... Uh, 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 special ecosystem and and destroy being destroy the entire lot of it and that we won't be responsible miners and that we won't remediate sites um that's not the case or that's not our intention our intention is to be responsible miners um to abide by the rules and regulations and laws uh and one of those is bonding uh, at the front end of a coal mine you have to put up a, a pretty significant cash bond uh that's held by the government and that cash bond lives for the life of the mine until the rehabilitation's uh, completed. And the second one is around selenium and selenium management. Um, 
selenium, uh, a heavy metal that uh, it's in rock. It's not in the coal specifically. It's in the rock that's around the coal. Um, as it as water flows through that rock, it, it dissolves effectively the, the the solid selenium into a, into a, into a liquid. Um, well, it, it's a leachate actually, and it goes out in in the water, and it can affect the the wildlife and environment and uh so it's our job to stop that happening and there are uh really three different methods that are that are now well known um on how to to complete this and it's part of our initial uh mine plan is to put in a water a sophisticated water management system that mitigates selenium leachate leaving the site and um, for the Tent Mountain mine, um, it's an existing mine. It's a degraded site. It is leaching selenium right now into the watershed. Uh, it's at moderately low levels, um, but it is above the threshold, slightly above the threshold that the government wants. And so our initial plan uh, at Tent Mountain is to put in a water management system that captures that um, leachate and doesn't let it enter the end of the watershed and we'll do that for the life of the mine and then we'll remediate the mine so by actually going a mining tent mountain again and pushing through and getting the the job done we will um, remediate the site to a modern le level and actually believe it or not improve the environment that, that currently is there so you'll make it better than it is today because you've inherited a situation you're Correct. saying it's part of yes. part of the deal is you will leave it better than you found it. That is exactly our plan, Matt, yes. Got it, okay. I, I, I like the part of, if you don't know it's broke, you can't fix it. So there, there people are aware of the issue. I mean, and again, what's the genesis of this? Because this comes from somewhere. Has, have there been other instances where other companies have not been responsible? Is that what people are reacting to? I, I would hesitate on the not responsible. So, so leaching selenium into the environment was has, as I was talking about before, the modern science. It's it's a relatively newly understood phenomena, like in the last thirty years. So, right next door to where we operate, um, we operate on the on the divide on the continental divide. So, Alberta water flows through Alberta and eventually into the Hudson Bay. Uh, water that drops just on the other side of the border in BC flows south into uh, the US and ultimately into the Pacific. Um, it's a large mining district dominated by tech resources. They've been operating mines there for some of them over 50 years. Uh, they have removed overburden uh, without knowledge of selenium when they started 50 years ago and, and how it could affect the environment. And so the problem got away from them. Uh, they've been doing a lot of work over the last decade or, or, or slightly longer, 15 years, to work out how to mitigate that, and they're getting great success. They actually advertised it only two days ago from their what's known as saturated rock fills, which is a method of stopping the selenium, uh, and they're getting great results from that. Uh, and they've committed to spending over a billion dollars to try and clean up what, what has been a, a legacy of of previous mining. So I wouldn't say that it's irresponsible. I would say that they know about it. And just like most things, you know, when engineers and scientists understand a problem or the scientists understand a problem and the engineer, they hand to the engineers to fix it, the engineers get after it and they do fix it. 
and and you know I think we we cop a lot of flack about being you know some sort of 19th century industry come to a coal mine come come and visit a modern coal mine it, there is some of the most high-tech cutting-edge technology employed at these coal mines that 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 exist and uh similarly some of the, the brightest minds work there and uh you know so these problems can be um uh i guess ultimately mitigated right so we look at risk and we try to we try to stop it before it exists uh and that's the met that's the main method is to stop the leachate ever occurring but um once it does occur, there are methods for pulling it back out of the water, and that's what tech's doing. And that's, you know, that's the third phase of what we'll employ at Tent Mountain and Chinook. Okay, so but you do understand where this this emotion is coming from. I'm, I've people have reached out to me off the back of our last conversation with you, and they sent me photographs. And it looks stunning. Alberta is stunning. It's gorgeous. You can understand why they're concerned that that might be being damaged, ecosystems might be being damaged. It makes sense, doesn't it? You would. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree, Matt. I mean, you know, the the, the beautiful mountaintops of, of the Rockies and the, the, the wonderful ecosystems that exist there are, um, you know, stunningly beautiful. And it is our job to operate mines in those areas such as is being operated in BC in a manner that is um, akin to, a, to, to to managing what we do to minimise the, the environmental impact and to um, do it in such a way that it's sustainable and that it's respectful and that, that you know, the, the stewards of the land, the First Nations people and, and, the, and the ranchers and the, and the and, um, outdoors enthusiasts um, can accept it in, a, in, in that it, it is what represents prosperity, right, in some ways. Developing these mines, mining through these deposits and then remediating the sites appropriately is the modern mining method. And... You know, this coal is incredibly valuable. Um, there's been a lot of sort of discussion about how much Alberta gets out of it. Well, you know, if, if, if Grassy Mountain was to go ahead and Tent Mountain and Chinook, we'd be spending around about one to one and a half billion dollars a year in the local um, economy. There would be um, significant taxes, significant corporate taxes, significant... Um, local taxes and provincial taxes, as well as royalties, uh, which start at 1% and then go to 13% of the revenue of the, at the mine gate revenue. So they're not insubstantial. Um, but it's more about the jobs, right? There's, there's several thousand jobs to, to, to uh, create here. And then um, those will last 20 to 30 years and, and, you know, really invigorate the local economy, which is which is, you know, in a in a depressed state. Right no, at the no I, get, I, get, I get that, Peter. But I think it's just really, really important that you come head on and say we are going to create value. We're going to create, you know, you know, we'll, you know, pay our taxes and royalties and create jobs, and the money will ripple throughout the throughout the uh, local uh, environment and, and, and economy. It was brilliant, but. You, as a CEO, understand and give a damn about the concerns with, around the ecosystems and you as a company are doing everything that's at the forefront of science that a company like you can do 
to mitigate or eradicate uh, any potential damage because you know they'll say that's priceless. People, people locally say that's priceless. You can't put a, a dollar number on that. So can you can you look me in the eye and say, yeah, it, we have got this? Of course, yes, I can. Um, you know, first off, it's the law, and second off, it's who we are as 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 a company. You know, Modern Resources is run by people who love the outdoors. I'm a I'm a super keen fly fisherman. I grew up fishing rivers in Australia. I, I came to Canada 15 years ago and started fishing here, and I've been living here five years, thoroughly enjoying the outdoors. Um, and you know, I think that that. Part of the reason I'm in mining and I'm a geologist is because I do love the outdoors and we don't just destroy everything. Um, it's, it's just, it's a, it's an, it's not the current method. You know, we, we do dig a big hole in the ground and we fill it back in and we remediate the site. And that is not just what we need to do to be responsible miners. It's also the law and it's what we, it's what we, um, believe is the right way to go about our business. Um, so, yeah, we will use the most modern methods to limit the, certainly limit the downstream effect of our mines. Um, but you can't get away from the fact that we pull a big hole and put a big hole in the ground. Um, and that, that, you know, the, 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 the remediation of that site begins about a year after we start. I mean, we put in some mitigating factors at the front end, but then as soon as we create a hole behind us, we start filling it back in and we start to remediate that site. We will, uh, particularly at Tent Mountain, be employing some pretty ingenious modern methods for that remediation. Uh, First Nations um, will be heading that, involved in that. Um, and we hope to remediate that site back to, uh, I guess, uh, a centerpiece standard that that people can look at and go actually these guys did what they said they were going to do okay well great i guess the proof's in the pudding saying's yeah. one thing doing's another i look forward to look forward to seeing you i think you're going to have to communicate to people as you say i i get i like the open invite go go to a modern mine I, you know i think that's 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 interesting um but you're going to have to get communicating to people and show them and share with them how this all works um right I actually called you up to talk about your company as well. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got sidetracked. Uh, right, because I noticed, the other thing I noticed was a scoping study on Chinook. Uh, you can't tell us too much. The Aussie rules are quite strange. So what can you tell us? Um, yeah, so we we have been working on the historical information on Chinook. It's just there over my, over my shoulder. Um, old mines, uh, three old mines north of uh, the town of Coleman. We know there's a lot of coal there. We've got 150 million tonnes of uh, coking coal resources there. We think there's quite a bit more there than that. Uh, we need to do some more exploration to bring the certainty up or, or bring the underlying resource status up. Um, but we did a study over, over the known area where the old underground mine at Vickery is and north of that heading up towards Racehorse. Um, and yeah, it's an impressive mine. Uh, it'll have a long life, be a large scale open cup mine. It's 15 kilometres from rail. <clears throat> it's right next door to Riversdale. It's about five kilometres from Riversdale point to point. Um, it's very, very similar size, similar economics. And um, yeah, we're really excited about it. Okay. 
But when, when, when do we? When can we start seeing more information from what's going on there? Because the scope there's a lot of work going into the sure. scoping study, right? Yeah. So when, when, yeah. when do we get clearer on numbers, timing, money, etc.? Yeah, so we we need to do another um, season of drilling. So we are in a trading halt right now. We've gone out to our existing shareholders and new institutions to raise money for that exploration. Um, that's going really well. I expect that to us to come out today. Um, we've raised just over $5 million for that exploration. And we'll go and do that this summer. And then at the end of that, we'll be able to produce the scoping study as it stands now with a lot more geological certainty and therefore put forward the, the, the impressive MPV and IRR and cost base and that sort of thing. And, you know, this is the regular process of, of um, exploration. This is not green fields, it's brownfield development. We know the coal's there because it used to be mined and sold to the Japanese steel industry. Um, they like the coal, they want more of it. Um, and you know it's 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 the 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 pluses and minuses of owning historical resources right we we know the coal's there and we're excited about it but it doesn't quite meet the modern reporting standard that that jork and the asx require so we've got to go and drill it out okay which requires money you've just done a private placement how'd that go very well yeah we got some new institutions on the register we're really excited about them three groups particularly um, existing shareholders also uh, got in behind us. Um, yeah, so so we're really excited about it. We're, we're in a trading halt right now as uh, today. By the time this comes out, I expect us to be retrading. And yeah, we're excited about it. Okay. And that's going to be enough to get you through the rest of this year doing what you want to be doing. Correct. Yeah, we came into the year with $3 million in the bank. We've raised just over five. That's a drilling season. And yeah, we'll get the results out at the end of this year. And then the other big, uh, the other big sort of um, uh, focus of of the commercial group in in our team this year is is attracting a customer to become a joint venture partner at the Tent Mountain Mine. So that is when the real uh, rubber hits the road, Matt. We we attract that customer uh, to to partner with us in developing that mine. That gives us guaranteed offtake, gives us a great equity. Um, um, plug into the company and, and it'll give a look through value for shareholders that uh, will be much closer to the MPV of that project and, uh, you know, should really quadruple the value of the company. You just you just pick up the old uh, Glencore Rolodex, don't you? Is that how that works? <laughs> well, Mark does. Yeah, look, it's not just Mark Lochtenberger and myself. Bob Bell uh, certainly has a, an extremely uh, good relationship with, with, uh, with our customer base. And some of our uh, really significant shareholders are also helping with that. So uh, uh, some very well-known um, coal mining um, people in Australia also are on our register and are happy to make introductions and help. So yeah, we, we, we're pretty close to the customer. Good, okay, well, it's a good start to the year. Looks like yeah. you know what you've got laid out in front of you. So one last question, you're talking about getting into production a tent mountain, 2023. What what's the only thing that can stop you? Oh, I think the the permitting and and obviously financing and markets are, are really all that is left in front of us. So we're trying to we're trying to work on all three of those things. Um, you know, we can't really control the international coal market, but it's on fire at the moment. Um, if we were operating tent mountain right now, we'd be making a hundred million US a year EBITDA. So uh, just off a, off a modest little mine of, of just over a million tonnes. Um, 
With permitting, we, we're in the gate. We're advertising right now. Uh, the terms of reference for our EIA, we expect to put that in in July. The full application to government is a very long, stringent, uh, detailed public process. So the public get their say. At the end of that, we get permitted middle of next year, a uh, few months to order equipment, get it on site, build the prep plant, build the rail, siding, and production starts thereafter. Easy. No problem. Flick <laughs> <laughs> with switch, Matt. <laughs> no, I'm all right. Uh, Peter, look, uh, thanks so much for the update. Appreciate you taking the call uh, and being so candid and honest. I do, I, I do appreciate that, okay? Not everyone likes being asked those questions. I thought you... You know, you, you answer it, okay? Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's what's happening over the next few uh, few months uh, with 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 great interest. Stay in touch. Speak to you soon. All right, Matt. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.